Welcome to All Along the Wasatch, a public affairs program produced by Bonneville Salt Lake City. If you would like to submit a request to be on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. Now, here's the host of All Along the Wasatch, Mike Parsons. My guest today is Jen Kiekel-Lynn, and she is the owner and broker of K Real Estate. It's the Give Back Brokerage. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for the invite. So you, K Real Estate is not a nonprofit organization. It is a for-profit organization, but it's linked together in an interesting way with your nonprofit. Correct. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, but I kind of want to go back to where this all started. And it seems like knowing a little bit about your story that when you were 11, that was a point that kind of changed the whole trajectory of your life. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could just start there and, and tell the story. Absolutely. Uh, yes, my my life drastically changed when I was 11. I had lost my dad to suicide. And so he had battled, um, you know, some different addictions and mental illness for several several years. And I had also gone through a divorce. And um, my brother and I, you know, found ourselves without a dad at 9 and 11. And, and from there, you know, really had to cope with not only losing a father, but also how to, how to process the way that he took his life as well. And so my mom, my mom held a lot of that from us for years, which I think was very smart at that point. This was in the 1980s. So there weren't a lot of resources for mental health and, and, um, you know, just kind of learning to cope without a dad, I think was, was a big step for us. But as we got older, we found ourselves in a completely different um, kind of point of discovery of having to learn again how do we cope with not only losing our dad, but now we're adults ourselves and finding that we also had some triggers of mental health individually in different ways. And so throughout, you know, 30 years later, having to learn how, how do we process this. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I don't know if we knew then, but I, we definitely know now that a lot of that is genetic. It is. So you start the FMK Foundation with your brother, John. Um, when did that idea first start and how long did it take you to make it happen? So I, about 10 years ago, was working in nonprofit and I loved the field as well as working in real estate. And I I just had this feeling that I needed to do something in our parents' name. I just, it was just like this burning feeling in my heart constantly. And my brother was feeling it too. And so we had this conversation, what are we going to do? Like, what does this look like? And I just told him, you know, with my experience in nonprofit, I know how to form this. Let's do it. And let's see where it organically goes. I have no idea what the impact is going to be. We're, we're just going to let it happen how it needs to. So we formed the nonprofit and it's so incredible. If you've created a nonprofit, it can take up to a year to actually become oh, yeah. a 501c3. We had everything approved within three months wow. and back. And so then all of a sudden, what are we going to do? Now we right. have a nonprofit named after our parents. The name was very easy because it was in their, their names and we wanted to leave a legacy for them. But from there, we just we kind of sat on it for about a year. And then we started finding different... Um, needs. People would come to us, they would share their story, and we just started connecting. And from there, it's grown to what it is today. But I got to tell you, this many years later, after having it, I have discovered that it's really helped me. Oh, heal. Great. yeah. And my brother as well, but in different ways. But 
it's almost by creating it that it yeah. was this unknown way of uh, like a form of counseling that I needed, you know, 38 years later, it, I needed this. And when you form a nonprofit, it's a, lot of, it's a lot of work, like you said, but, you know, sometimes you have those feelings like, I don't know how to, what to do with these feelings. Mm-hmm. So maybe that work is how you got through that. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you just nailed it. Exactly. And tell us what Yellow for Life is. So what happened was years ago, we were invited to go present with uh, college kids on campus at the University of Utah. My husband and I were invited into a classroom to talk about for-profit and nonprofit. And we met these incredible college students that wanted to learn more about nonprofit. And so we created a camp, an on-campus group at the U of U. And they helped form this group, and they came up with the name Yellow for Life. Yellow is the suicide awareness color mm. nationally. And so they used that name or that color in the name. And then from there, we just decided to run with that, that name, change our website, you know, to Yellow for Life. And so the FMK Foundation name is the parent name of this foundation. It will always be named after my parents. But all of our branding and our events and everything are under the name Yellow for Life. It's, okay. it's a name that's more recognizable. People remember it and it resonates more. And how does that fit together with the the Give Back Brokerage Charitable Foundation. One thing I learned about you from just kind of searching on the internet is that you love starting nonprofits and companies and especially designing the artwork. I do. <laughs> I do. That's my favorite part. I am definitely an entrepreneur and philanthropist at heart. I I love that part of it. A logo, I'm a very visual person, so the logo is very important to me. And the way that that blends in with my Give Back Brokerage is, so we are a philanthropy-based real estate company, and then from that, I created the Give Back Brokerage Charitable Foundation, and that's the philanthropy side of my real estate company. That's where I hold a portion of all the commissions to be then donated to our charities that we partner with. Right. And this is really cool. I have never heard of anyone else doing what you're doing. So if someone comes to your real estate company to buy a property or to sell a property, at the end of that transaction, two different charitable donations are made. So kind of explain how that all works. Yes. So the industry is very give back minded. So there are a lot of brokerages that do give to charities. So I'm blessed that I am in an industry that that does love to give back. What makes us unique is, yes, we do give two donations back. If our clients have an organization that they resonate with, Fantastic. That's where we will send the donation. If they don't, then we will let them pick from the the charities that we partner with. Currently, we have over 70, and uh, we're very proud of those that we've partnered with uh, so far. Um, Or the other way is that there's two donations that will go to the agent's charity of choice that they have worked with when choosing the Give Back Brokerage. So there are a couple different ways that we can make an impact and I think that's important to point out. You don't make it. Not every charitable donation is to your own foundation. It no. goes to pretty much whoever the buyer wants it to go to. Correct. So, you know, my my nonprofit for suicide awareness, it's the founder's charity since I am the founder mm-hmm. of the brokerage. And I do have a lot of clients that they do want that donation to go to mine. Maybe they mm-hmm. don't have one that resonates with them. Sure. But suicide has touched, you know, everybody in Mm -hmm. some way. And so that does happen sometimes. 
What do you, what kind of reaction do you get when somebody you know you close on the property and you say, okay, great, we're going to make a donation to a nonprofit for you? Mm-hmm. What is their reaction? You know, they're always touched by you know just the fact that you know they were able to work with a professional during their real estate transaction, but we do have this extra kind of thank you in their name, and it's it, it's just something that I have found that people love. You know, everybody wants to give back in some way, and this way we're able to make an impact by providing, you know, a lot of charities and options for them. You know, a lot of individuals don't know where to give. They always want to give, right. but they're not sure how. Yeah. And so this is just another way to try, kind of help them do that and and take that kind of that stress of deciding where and having them a part of the process. I was kind of poking around the website and I came across something that Sounds really complicated, but probably isn't. The QPR Institute's Evidence-Based Suicide Prevention Training. Mm -hmm. What is that in English? (laughs) Yes, so QPR stands for Question, Persuade, and Refer. And this is actually a suicide mental illness uh, program that you can actually go through with the state of Utah. And this is something that we love for our students to go through at the University of Utah in the group that we have there. Also, adults can go through this. My husband's actually going to go through the program. This is something that was presented to me years ago. I knew nothing about it, and I thought, you know, I'm going to I'm going to be trained in this, and I'm going to understand if this is something that we want to pay for through our nonprofit. And this, honestly, is the number one thing that helped me heal a lot of my trauma. I went through this program, and for years I thought, you know, I knew – what people are going through when they are suicidal. I I knew how my dad took his life. However, the one thing I learned in this program on the first day is they talked about medically induced suicide. Mm -hmm. And I had never knew much about it. And until that day, I always told people that my mom died of cancer and she actually took her life by medically induced suicide. I was there with her. Mm. And so was my brother. And for years, I just, I knew that she took her own life, but I was afraid to tell everybody because Mm -hmm. then here we are, we've lost two parents to suicide. What are people going to say? Are they going to label them? What what am I going to talk about? And so after that day and after that training, I was, it's almost like this light bulb went on. Wow, I've been hiding behind something and I have this nonprofit. Now I can tell everyone, yes, my parents both died by suicide. But it couldn't have been more different. Completely different scenarios, completely different situations. One was very genetic. One was she knew she had weeks to live and she wanted to make a choice. They both made a choice in completely different ways. Right. And I don't I don't know. Until I went through that program, I I don't think that I ever wanted to talk about either one of them, their mm-hmm. stories. I was kind of living behind that. And I think even creating the nonprofit, I was still hiding a little bit behind Mm -hmm. it. So that program is something that we will always fund through the nonprofit. If people call me and say, I want to be QPR certified as a trainer, and I want to train my youth group at church, I want to train the youth in my neighborhood, my, my employees, whoever it might be, I will pay for you to do that through our through our nonprofit. We have funds to do that and that will always be a passion of mine. And I should have mentioned the website is yellow4life.org yellow4f o r life.org. 
Uh, so kind of can you break down question, persuade, refer? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that the, the certification is much longer, but what's the one or two minute version of it? So I would say the quick version of it is, you know, giving you the skills to address somebody in a really kind manner if they are struggling. So if you see somebody in your life that is struggling, going through mental health issues, maybe you're seeing somebody that, you know, they're um, very withdrawn. You know, maybe it, it maybe it's your child, they're very withdrawn. Maybe they're not doing their homework anymore. Maybe they're, you know, not doing the things that they normally do. This program teaches you to be able to address that person in a non-confrontational way to make them become even more withdrawn in a way that can, you know, give them the tools and maybe take them to a facility, maybe give them somewhere they need to call, whatever it might be. Because the number one thing is if you see someone that's that's like that and you're just, you know, we need to take you right now and we need to, you know, just right. some yeah. in a manner that's maybe really aggressive, it might make them even go the opposite way. And not be as willing to accept the help. And so this program's amazing in that way. It really does help you learn maybe what you need to do. Like if your personality is really confrontational, this program is really going to help you learn the skills to be able to address someone in a way that maybe is a little bit softer and not Mm. as pushy. Because I think we tend to, we just want to help everyone around us. Oh, sure. I'm very non-confrontational, so it would would it teach me to be able yes. to be a little more aggressive? <laughs> yes, we're going to pay for QPR training for you. <laughs> um, I've heard from suicide professionals that there, you watch for change in people, and typically it is sort of the downward spiral, but it can be just the opposite, too. If somebody is suddenly extremely happy, it could be that they've made that decision and they feel the weight off their shoulders. So it's really any kind of change that we need to look for. Absolutely. I think I think the number one thing we need to do is is, you know, to stay in touch with people in our life and and be there. You know, even if it's somebody you don't know, everybody has a story and let's be real, life is hard. Every day we we all have something hmm. that we have to deal with and you're right. You know, somebody may be very very happy and on and on a on a high and I think be aware to those around you. Those in the workplace, your family, your friends, just be there. You, you just don't know. It might be a phone call that may, might save someone's life that day. Mm-hmm. It might just be, you know, sending some, like, a, I don't know, something, a card or something to somebody you haven't seen for a while. So I think most people want to help, and they'll, they'll see the people around them, and I think that QPR training could go a long ways to helping us know what to do. But a lot of times I think people think, well, we've got to have an intervention. There's just nothing else. But I also think sometimes it's better to just go, hey, how you doing? Everything okay? You seem a little off. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be this big production. I agree. Um, have you seen some success stories that you can share with us, some specific stories about people you've seen helped through your foundation? We have. I would say, especially with students on campus at the U, um, a lot of the kids that helped us create that group – Again, just like me going through the training, it has helped them also face their story and maybe some of the things that they were bottling up inside because then all of a sudden they found themselves having a purpose. They were able to create something within other students their same age in a safe space where they could, you know, create uh, maybe it was 
different events on campus and and ways that kids feel supported with those that are within their their own age. So that's been a big one for sure. And then over the last couple of years, we've been able to do different fundraisers of hosting um, different artists. And some of the art has been an expression of how that person was feeling at that time in their life. Some of the art has not been, you know, necessarily uplifting. It's been a pouring of how they were feeling at mm-hmm. that time. And I've absolutely loved that. That's had a huge impact on me. Seeing this art, again, I'm very visual. So seeing this art and the words and the feelings of how that person, you know, felt. And that art then gets donated or, you know, auctioned off. And that's the other thing about our nonprofit. From the beginning, it's always been 100% of everything we receive. Mm. That then is for the programs and donated out. So my brother and I fund the whole nonprofit. People love that too, knowing that every penny is going to the cause. It's very, very important to us. And so I think that that's made a huge impact. Honestly, the youth, just years later, hearing the purpose, how these kids were looking for something that they could create and be a part of. I love that. I never knew from the beginning if it would be adults or children or whatever it would be. And and just every year always you know, hearing from people how much they love just having a big role in the creation of it and even moving forward, making sure that whoever's involved, like this is your nonprofit too. This is not just my brother and I. So that's been a a really amazing part of it as well as the years have gone on. I also saw on your website that you have something called a rescue tin, and this is the little container like the Altoids come in. But what is in the rescue tin? Yes, so we did that for one year at Harriman High. We'll probably roll that out again this year. And it would have uh, suicide resources, mental health resources, whether it's for counseling or different resources at the school. And these actually were created by the students at the high school. And the money was raised uh, not only from a specific teacher who's also on my board, but also funds from our nonprofit. And then uh, when you open the tin, there were uh, yellow the lemon heads on the inside. Oh, yeah. And the purpose of this is not only as a resource, but it's a very small tin, so it can be put in your pocket. And so a student, if they, let's say, were struggling and they wanted resources, they could go to a counselor and they could ask for this tin, and nobody would know what this is for. It's tiny. And so then that way they're not getting labeled from other students. Right you know, hey, Johnny has the yellow for life tin. Mm -hmm. It's nothing like that. It's very, very small. It's something that will, like I said, roll out again, most likely this year. That's a great idea. So of course, every nonprofit, every foundation loves donations of money. Uh, Other than donating money, what kinds of things are you looking for? Are there volunteer opportunities? Do you take in-kind donations? Mm -hmm. Uh, Both, actually. And I I would always love and encourage people when they want to volunteer. It's not only at at events. I would love if somebody has an idea for a fundraiser or something that they think is needed in the community or their school or wherever it might be, I would love for them to come to me and let's let's create that and make that happen. Hmm. Because sometimes people don't, they want to do something, but they're not sure where to even start or they need the backing of a 501c3. That's a fantastic way, I think, to get involved with our nonprofit. And I think that's a great offer. Hopefully somebody's listening right now and says, finally, I get to 
see the, my idea come to life. That would be great. What are some of the most common myths about suicide that you hear? I, you know, I think there's just a label of, you know, the ways that people do it, you know, and sometimes, like I said, with my mom, that was medically induced induced. And I think just that whole stigma around it and, um, it's all negative and I'm, and you don't know what people are going through. And I think just a way, of course you don't want someone to lose their life, but I think more, you need to maybe understand where that person understanding where they're coming from. And you know, that, that's a hard question. Mm. I think for me, like I, as you're asking me that, I think, you know, even though my dad died 38 years ago, I think I still have to process through the way that I view stigma mm-hmm. or stigma, suicide, even at this point, because I have two different, you know, parents that took their life by it. And I think I have to always make sure I'm not judging maybe where they were at mm. that time, because now that I'm a parent, I... You know, and I I have seen people deal with mental illness, and now that I've had I have kids that deal with they what they have to too is I think trying to be more understanding of the way that our brains function and you know genetics and everything that we have to go through every day. So I think just continually remembering that you know to be really understanding of those around us and and not to be judging. I know one of my reactions, fortunately, I haven't had anyone as close as my parents to me commit suicide or take take their own life. I know we're supposed to not say commit suicide anymore. Um, but my reaction is always, I've had some friends take their own lives, and my first reaction is, is always anger at them, mm-hmm. which is strange because I love them and I wish they hadn't do that, but not, and done that, but now I'm mad at them. And that's the emotion that is so weird to try to reconcile after after a while that, mm-hmm. no, I love that person. Why would I be mad at them? Exactly. And it took me a long time to get to that point. And again, my brother and I had very different paths, too. I think that he, he had a lot of anger through his 30s, and he was mad. And then he started to blame himself. So he went through this roller coaster of emotions where I think I was just sad I lost my parents. Like, I wasn't mad at him. I just, Mm. until I got older and then I, I thought, wow, I really want to understand, you know, what was going through their minds and their lives and, you know, to, to make them kind of feel, you know, get to that point that they've, they've felt like, you know, they, they needed to make that choice, but, you know, completely different perceptions. When I feel like that it's kind of selfish to be angry. That's that's my initial reaction. I, I agree. Yeah, uh, I and I definitely agree. And I think probably back to your question of kind of that perception, it is I think it is selfish to just be mad and angry at you know, the choice that somebody makes. I think we just have to try and understand. Jen Kiko Lynn is the owner and broker at K Real Estate, the give back brokerage. And if you want information about the FMK Foundation and Yellow for Life and all of the wonderful charitable things that Jen is doing, where should they go? To my website at jenkikelin.com. And spell Kikel so people know. So uh, Kikel is K-I-K-E-L. Jenkikelin.com. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing your time and what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to All Along the Wasatch with Mike Parsons. If you would like to submit a request to be a guest on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. That's mparsons at ksl.com. 